Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. It's the Big Take from Bloomberg News and iHeartRadio. I'm Wes Kosova. Today, the UK has an online gambling problem. And now it's heading to the U.S. Online gambling has exploded in the U.K., especially since the pandemic. Those catchy gaming apps that entice you to play for hours right on your phone, they've hooked millions of people and sometimes drained their bank accounts. No surprise that online gambling addiction is a big issue. Now the U.S. is loosening its own online gambling laws. And with it comes concerns that the problems gamblers in the U.K. are experiencing will soon play out on an even larger scale in America. A little later, I talk with two of my Bloomberg colleagues who've written a deeply reported story on the pitfalls of online gambling. But first, a conversation with Stuart Kenny. He made a fortune as a founder of Paddy Power, one of the UK's largest gambling companies, before he walked away from it. He's now one of his industry's most vocal critics. Stuart Kenny, thanks for being here. It's a pleasure to be with you, Wes. Stuart, I wanted to ask you why, after being so successful in building a very large company, Paddy Power, which is one of the most recognizable companies in online gambling, you chose to step away from it in 2016. It was 30, nearly 30 years I was on the board. I just thought I was talking to myself that I thought that we were becoming the new cigarettes. We were getting a stench due to gambling addiction. And we were not taking the measures that we were going down a route of trying to hunt the addict, to find the people who are addicted and trying to root them out of the system. But in fact, the product needed to change and safeguards need to be put in place. And the board would have to accept we would make less money, but we would have a sustainable business that would go into the future. Since then, the stench from gambling addiction has become larger and larger. And... I don't regret the decision, and more and more governments are now seeing that they have to step in. And in fact, it is a government issue. It is really expecting publicly owned companies to, to do their own... Uh, sort of police themselves. It's too much of conflict. The governments need to step in, step up to the plate, and bring in restrictions. People think of gambling as just one huge thing. I mean, coming on having a flutter in the Grand National or having a bet on the World Cup is not that addictive. But getting onto the highly addictive online casino is highly addictive. You had been in this industry for a long time. What changed from the time you started to the time you decided to leave that made you think you could no longer do it? What changed was probably online and the rise of casino-type products in betting shops. The fixed odds betting terminals became a scourge of the high street. And why is that? In order to understand addiction in gambling, 
the two elements that are foremost in it are how quickly between investment and result and how quick can you repeat the dose so you bet on donald trump to win the next presidential election it is two years away therefore that is not an addictive product you have to wait two years whereas you bet on the uh, spin of a coin and it's very quick and the fixed odds betting term the government forced them to put in a 20 second time delay between spins because it was so addictive but even that didn't solve it so you really what we're looking for in anything is to slow down the process so people have time to think am i self-destructing on the online casino, the whole process needs to be slowed down because the online casino is much faster than a normal casino. Now, may I say, I made huge mistakes. I should have seen it earlier. And the finger can be pointed rightly at me that I did not put my hand up earlier and say, look, these concerns are real and we need to do something about them. I campaigned against fixed odds betting terminals coming into Ireland. But I should have left the board at that point because fixed odds betting terminals had no social benefit whatsoever. It was just a ad- highly addictive product. It was the crack cocaine of gambling. And the truth is the online casino has become the crack cocaine of gambling. For people who aren't familiar with gambling, can you define what fixed odd betting is and why it's so different and why you say it's, it's such a big problem? The fixed odds betting terminals were basically putting fixed odds onto a casino product. Fixed odds are, you buy a lot of tickets, you don't know what you'll win or what, that's not fixed odds. You bet Donald Trump for the next presidential election, it's a round of a four to one shot. So you put on a a pound and you get back four pounds plus your pound back, so you get five back. That's a fixed odds. So what they did was they made a casino product into a fixed odds betting product, and it became a huge political hot potato. Bookmakers were opening up shops specifically in impoverished areas because the fixed odds betting terminals went so well. So you can win a whole lot all at once or lose a whole lot all at once. Then if you lose, you want to do it again to maybe win. And if you win, you want to do it again to win. And so you just keep going round and round. Round and round. And there were many things they could have brought in, such as every five spins, you had to cash out, take your money, start again. That would have given people time to think. The whole point of this is giving people time to think before they self-destruct. And one of the things I suppose that's especially problematic is that it's just on our phones. It's with you all the time so that you don't actually have to be in one location. You can gamble and be enticed to gamble no matter where you are. That's right. Some of the measures that in order to stop people self-destructing is to make gambling a little bit less accessible to everybody. You don't want to take the fun away from gambling because the vast majority of people aren't gambling addicts. You want to make the product available because that's what society wants, but you don't want to make it so available that vulnerable people get sucked in. So for the average population, it is fine to be offered a bet, but if you make it too accessible to children and to vulnerable people, it becomes a problem. It will be a huge problem in the United States. Why do you say that? What do you see happening in the United States that makes you uh, believe that? It is more a free-for-all society. It is more a society that accepts 
some people fall through the cracks. Europe is different. I was speaking to our reporters who were working on this story, and they said that one of the things that makes it so addictive is that the minute you stop, all of a sudden your inbox is flooded with offers for free spins, trying to get you back in, offers to lure you back into the casino. Is that something that you saw when you were in the industry still, when you were still at Patty Power? Yes, and I put my hands up. I should have been much more aware. Let people gamble if they want to gamble. I'm not saying restrict, but don't suck the vulnerable in. We don't allow the cigarette industry to start giving out free cigarettes on the street. We don't allow the drinks industry. We've brought restrictions in, in all societies, because they've seen the damage. The gambling industry has a danger of becoming the new cigarettes, and that will make it harder for them to get executives. Can you describe the day that you told your company, the company that you were co-founder of, that you were walking away? I'd been involved in the setup of Paddy Power. I had uh, been on the board for 28 years, and I had made a decision that, that there was a thing that arose in a board meeting beforehand where they had pulled some advertising to do with what they describe as responsible gambling. Now, that's a euphemism. Let's talk, call it what it is. It is gambling addiction we're talking about. So they had been advertising very effective, take a break. It's available on YouTube. You can get the, those ads. They were Australian with sports bet. And they had made these wonderful ads, but they were so effective that people were closing down their accounts. Well, I thought that was the whole point of the exercise. And they said that they were too effective and they were pulling them. And they muttered something about that people were opening up with other people. And I said, well, look, if that's the journey that they need to make before they become aware that they have a problem, so be it. And I was the only one who spoke up against pulling these ads. And then I knew, look, I had to speak to myself and say, Clearly, uh, I'll either be a, a complete hypocrite or rather than just being a, a minor hypocrite if I continue on and, and I made my decision to go. So I prepared for the next board meeting and said I was going. So you've made a lot of money off the gambling industry. Now that you are raising questions about it, raising awareness about it, are you using your own money to sort of fund anti-gambling addiction treatment or initiatives? I have funded charities to do with gambling addiction. In fact, some of them refuse to take my money on the basis that the money is tainted. What they asked me to do, rather than put the money up front, now some of them I did, and I will continue to give money to, but they asked me to speak out. Stuart Kenny, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me. West, it was a pleasure. Thank you. After the break, how did online gambling come to this? Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. 
I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. I'm here with two colleagues from London. Gavin Finch is an investigative reporter for Bloomberg, and Harry Wilson is a finance reporter. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Gavin and Harry, you have written this story about what you have called Britain's gambling nightmare. For those of us who aren't familiar with what's happening in the UK and gambling, could you tell us? Sure. So there's been a sort of explosive growth of online betting in the UK in the last decade, particularly habit-forming casino games like uh, slot machines and, and roulette, the sort of virtual casinos. These are extremely lucrative games for gambling companies, but not for, for punters who are losing on average about £14 billion a year. I think it was over the last four or five years. And when we say explosive, like the, the growth in these games, it's gone from £27 million in 2014 to more than £4 billion last year. And so this is online gambling. This isn't going down in the corner to the little gambling shop or going to a formal casino, but this is all taking place in apps that you use on your phone or your computer. Yeah, that's absolutely right. This is something very different to your traditional idea of what gambling might take, certainly in the UK. The long traditional view of gambling was you had a store on a high street which men emerged from smoking cigarettes and you went inside there and it was dimly lit. It, it wasn't a particularly sort of pleasant place to go, and but... It, People went there, you know, were you'd have to be a sort of a, a committed gambler. And what's happened in, I guess, the last 10, 15 years is that's completely changed. The advent of smartphones has meant that people now have a little casino in their pocket. And anyone with an app store, with a bank account, can open up a gambling account and can begin gambling away on all these variety of casino games that have all these extraordinary names. And it's a hugely lucrative business for, for the gambling industry. So when gambling moved from these little shops where you'd have to go online, was there a rush of companies moving in to capture this new audience? I think there was a, a realization quite early on that online was going to be the new frontier for, for gambling. They were trying to sort of destigmatize gambling and make it more accessible to everybody. Critics would say that the games that they've designed are intentionally habit-forming. One of the big issues that we came across when we talked to gambling addicts and reformed gambling addicts was the extent to which these gambling companies have a hold of people. 
unlike any other kind of industry I've ever come across, the VIPs in gambling are the biggest losers. So the more you lose, the more important you are to the gambling company, the more they lavish entertainment on you, free flights, you know, tickets to sporting games, all the rest of it, because you're a valuable customer. We spoke to people where, you know, they try and stop gambling. And after a day, a couple of days, you know, they would be deluged with emails, phone calls, texts from their VIP manager, you know, asking whether they're okay, you know, whether they could uh, provide them with some tips for, for new bets and, and giving them free spins in the casinos and things like that. And it doesn't take much for a gambling addict to um, succumb again to his addiction and be reeled back in. Harry, are they keeping close track of each of the users and how long they're on and what they're winning or losing? You can't really underestimate how much information they have on, on gamblers. So from people we've spoken to, certainly one of the, the points made to us is that um, pretty much from your first couple of bets, a gambling company has a very good idea of how good a client you are going to be to them over your life. And it only literally takes a few goes, a few spins, and they can pretty much predict whether you're going to be a massive loser for them, which is great, or someone who's going to be a less lucrative client. The amount of analytics that they have is incredible. So you're talking about incredibly sophisticated technology platforms here that are tracking exactly what people are doing, what they're gambling on, their gambling patterns. In a way, they know the gambler better than the gambler knows themselves. And you can see these patterns when, when someone stops gambling for a day or two, they'll know exactly how to lure someone back in. Harry, one of the things you write is that there has been an increase in the number of children and teenagers who are gambling, spending, and losing a lot of money on these apps. Yeah, and that, that, that kind of speaks to the way the gambling industry has, has changed, right? I mean, if you think in the past, obviously, going back to our stereotypical drab gambling store, right? It would be, be a lot easier to spot. And with, with the way that uh, gambling has gone, gone online, that, that's become more difficult. And on top of that, if you look at the games, particularly these casino games, they do look very childish. The real big money spinner now for, for gambling companies are, are things that look basically like the kind of games I used to play as a kid in the 80s. The industry would obviously say that they don't aim these games at children, that they're all obviously, you have to be over 18 to use them. But you just look at them, they don't, they don't look like something that's aimed at a sort of uh, a grown adult. There have been some attempts to help people break their addiction to using these apps and losing a lot of money. You write about one called GamStop. What exactly is that? So GamStop is a national self-exclusion tool, which all of the UK licensed uh, gambling companies have to sign up to. And in theory, if you sign up to GamStop and you say, I don't want to gamble for a year or two years or three years, then you are not able to access any of the other UK registered gambling sites to put down a bet. Lots of gamblers have said that that has been a game changer for them. But if you do want to get around it, there are plenty of websites out there that advise people on, on how you can do that. So it's, it's far from foolproof. And it also doesn't cover the entire market. There are messenger-based gambling companies um, that aren't covered by GamStop. When you went to the companies that run these apps, what did they say about how they operate, about the problem of gambling addiction, and what they see as their own responsibility, if anything, in all of this? A spokeswoman for Flutter Entertainment, the parent company of Paddy Power, said the firm closed its VIP scheme and reduced the revenue coming from its highest spending customers by 55%. 
the Flutter spokeswoman said the firm had, quote, invested significantly, end quote, in its safer gambling capabilities in recent years. A spokesman for GamStop said it has always acknowledged that, quote, no system can ever be 100% infallible, end quote. The spokesman said that GamStop had helped 330,000 people to self-exclude since 2018. A gambling commission spokesman said that it would, quote, assess whether the industry's response to the challenge has delivered the right outcomes, end quote. In the last few years, the Gambling Commission has fined quite a lot of gambling companies quite a lot of money, millions of pounds, for various failings around not doing enough to detect gambling addicts and not doing enough in terms of AML checks and uh, source of wealth checks. What is AML? Anti-money laundering. Gavin, you're right that the UK is seeing suicides that are connected to gambling addictions. Yeah, that's right. That was one of the most shocking things, I think, for us, was just the number of people who uh, were killing themselves each year linked to their gambling addiction. So government statistics put it at around 409 suicides a year that can be directly linked to gambling addiction. This is definitely a, a male-focused issue by far the vast majority of, of problem gamblers and gambling suicides are younger men. I think that's probably one of the reasons why this has certainly become such a front page issue in the UK is that you have these these uh, awful stories of, of young men who've become addicted to these uh, online casino games and lost vast amounts of money that they either don't have or that they've stolen to fund their gambling addictions. So that raises the question, what, if anything, is the UK government trying to do to get hold of this and help people who are, you know, gambling away all their money? For the most part, successive UK governments have done very little to rein in the excesses of the, the gambling industry. Why is that? This massive booming in, in online gaming can all be traced back to the Gambling Act of 2005, which is the existing legislation that covers gambling. And, you know, it's pre-smartphone legislation. At the time, it made us one of the most deregulated major gambling markets in the world. And so it couldn't really foresee this huge boom in, in online gaming. And the gambling companies have been making hay, taking advantage of, of that kind of lack of regulatory foresight ever since. And why is that? Why wouldn't the government want to be doing something about this? Well, there's a very close relationship historically between various UK governments and the gambling industry. The gambling industry spends a lot of money on hospitality, on UK politicians. There are several politicians who are paid to give speeches or provide advice for gambling companies. There are many sitting members of the House of Lords who have positions on the boards of gambling companies. And they have a very effective, aggressive lobbying arm to the industry that has managed to persuade successive governments to largely leave them alone. When we come back, the UK's gambling craze heads for the U.S. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. 
Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do. That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Harry and Gavin, you've spoken about all the problems associated with gambling in the UK and the rise of these online sites and apps. In the U.S., we're also starting to see an increase in online gambling. I know that I'm just always surprised at how many advertisements there are for it on the radio that I come across online. It seems like uh, more than ever before. Do you foresee a similar problems heading across the ocean toward the U.S.? Pretty much all the U.K. and European gambling companies are, are really falling over themselves to to enter the U.S. market because the European market has become so saturated. So as the majority of US states have liberalized their gambling laws in the last few years, you know, there's already a market, I think, of more than 100 million people kind of waiting to be to be tapped in the in the US. Um, and while at the minute, most of that's online gambling is is limited to sports betting in states where it's legal, you know, you do see these companies pitching online casino games to to sports bettors by offering them these these free spins, and that's a big worry for for critics of the industry who argue that you know these casino games are the really addictive ones, and so you will see the same problems that have happened in the UK happening in in the US, and and there's an important distinction I think between the US and the UK as well because there isn't one regulator for the um, for the gambling industry in the US, there's there's lots of them. Each different state, I believe, is well. I think over, oversight spread amongst like a patchwork of state and tribal governments. Some of whom are, you know, they've been described by colleagues of ours as captives of the industry who don't necessarily understand the new technology as well as they might. Where are we seeing gambling really take off in the US right now? I mean, I think one of the the real gold rush states at the moment is 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 New York, and certainly when we were talking to people 
one of the the places that's seen as uh, I guess sort of the El Dorado currently for for gambling companies, right? Is is, is New York, and despite state taxes being incredibly high on gambling revenues, you've got gambling companies literally queuing up to to get one of these licenses because it's considered so so lucrative a, a market. So, I think what what you you've got are these incredibly well funded, sophisticated companies that see these opportunities in a in a liberalising market, uh, and my guess is obviously the the, the US will probably go down the same road as the UK if it's not careful. Talking to Harry's point on the, you know, New York, so the the, the tax rate there is 51%, which obviously is incredibly high. And, and gambling earnings. Yeah, on, on gross gambling revenue, and yet, gross gaming revenue rather, and yet, as Harry says, there's still this queue going out the door. So it just shows how profitable they see that that business as being. Since January, uh, gambling companies have signed up 1.5 million accounts from 1.1 million customers, almost 90% of them new to regulated sports betting. And just in that first month alone, in that January, $1.7 billion was wagered on sports games online in New York. Gavin, in the US, uh, the Supreme Court ruled in 2018 in a big case that open the door for more of this sort of betting. Can you describe what happened? Basically, it allowed online gambling or, or made online gambling legal on a state-by-state -state basis. Breaking news to Supreme Court this morning, striking down the federal ban on sports betting. Now it leaves it up to the states. And that really opened the door to a massive influx of gambling companies into the U.S. And in many of the states, now you are not only able to do sports betting online, but you can also do casino game betting online as well. And so that, that led to a lot of states that before didn't do this, now seeing a great increase in the number of gamblers and gambling sites catering to them. Yeah, there's been an explosion of gambling sites in the U.S. and in the uh, online gambling revenues. And if you think about it, it's not so long ago that um, some of the executives of, uh, of some uh, UK-listed gambling companies were having to avoid going to the US because of cases there and the threat of arrest. So it's really is quite a, a, a substantial turnaround in, uh, in terms of the openness of the US to, to um, uh, online gambling. Gavin Finch and Harry Wilson, thanks so much for talking to me today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You can read Gavin Finch's and Harry Wilson's online gambling story at Bloomberg.com. Thanks for listening to us here at The Big Take. It's a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Read today's story and subscribe to our daily newsletter at Bloomberg.com slash Big Take. And we'd love to hear from you. Email us with questions or comments to bigtake at bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of The Big Take is Vicky Bergolina. Our senior producer is Catherine Fink. Our producer is Federica Romaniello. Our associate producer is Zenib Siddiqui. With additional production support from Rebecca Chasson and Sam Gebauer. Rafael Amsili is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Wes Kosova. We'll be back tomorrow with another Big Take.
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.